0: The House of Poppy. Mondays to Fridays. to 1pm on 5 sm We are about to turn up the love. We are hanging out with Claire McFarlane, who's a rape survivor. Today kicks off 15, or rather 16 days of activism against um, violence against women and children. We thought we'd chat to someone that I think a lot of people can relate to. In fact, let me start at the beginning. Someone asked me uh, last week, I had had a sleepless night, and they were like, what kept you up? And I said to the person, because they were asking, I was like, I hear a sound in my house." And I honestly think that there's someone in my house and there's a possibility that I could get raped. That's literally where my mind goes to all the time when I'm alone at home. And so Ben and I were talking about doing stuff for uh, 16 days of activism and your name came up, Claire. And we thought, why not chat to someone who's been through it, but also... Um, has got an important story to share. Your journey is quite important, but that you're doing something about it to help other rape survivors. So welcome to Claire McFarlane, who is a rape survivor, an adventurer and a social advocate. Let's start at the beginning, if you don't mind, um, when it comes to your story and your journey. You were 21 at the time. It was in 1999 that it happened. You were in France um, and you were brutally assaulted and raped. Can you give us as much detail as possible when it comes to the time around that and what happened? And also I want to know how you lived because for me it seems like such a long time ago. But what were the years like after the facts? Did you tell people what had happened to you? Was it easy for you to... Obviously not, but I mean, how was your life like? Um, a lot of the time we speak to people that maybe survived rape like two months ago or a year ago. But what was it like for you to have to continue to live in your 20s with the fact that you had been raped and that the perpetrator hadn't been caught?
1: Yeah, thanks, Poppy. Um, that's a big question. Yeah. Uh... Look, I went off to France. It was a bit of an adventure. I'd started my university career um wanting to be a forensic doctor actually. And after one year I went, "Eh, I'm not sure this is for me." Mm-hmm. And a friend was it was saying to me, look, come, I'm going to Paris. Let's go live in Paris. And I was like, why not? Let's let's head off. Um, so I had sort of headed to Paris for a year. Um, and then while I was there, I realized that I was very passionate for fine arts. So I wanted to actually pursue fine arts. And mm-hmm. I was then extending my stay and started preparing a portfolio. And I was working at nighttime in a bar. And... Um, I was going home after work one night I was actually en route for a taxi mm-hmm. uh, and um I could see the taxi at the end of the street basically, but I got intercepted um by this man i'd probably i mean if you want me to go into the details of exactly what happened to me um
0: if I, you're I, happy to share those details yeah if yeah not, then... yeah
1: look, it was a really long rape uh it lasted an hour um and Jeepers. it was Super violent. I mean, straight from the beginning, um, my attackers wanted to strangle me. I mean, his intention was to kill me, but I fought. Like I fought and fought like a wild woman. I mean, I was screaming and and um, using my body and twisting. I couldn't really. Um, defend myself in the way that they teach you in self-defense because Mm -hmm. I kind of figured that he'd either done martial arts or military training or something because he had me in lots of holds that kept certain parts of his body safe from being hurt um but I just you know made his life so difficult um and that I mean that didn't help me because it just got more and more violent um and you know through through those first stages of the attack I mean he got very very violent and he didn't manage to strangle me at one point and I lost consciousness and that's sort of when I really thought I was going to die um then I came to not long after um and I just went straight back into I've got to get I've got to get away you know I can't have my family IDing me naked in a morgue in Paris you know just no 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 and so I kept you know physically fighting he had weapons I mean he was armed with a knife and
0: Quick question. Yeah. Uh, This is all happening. Obviously, it was dark. Um, It was a lot quieter than it usually is um, during the day because it's at night. You're screaming, were there people around? What was the situation or the environment like for something to last that long? Um, Do you remember hearing things around you other than what was happening at the time look I mean I knew my the surroundings very well because
1: I'd been working in that area um, there are a couple of ironies there um, it was actually on the street where um, the gendarme which is actually the military police in France live so oh. their residence was there Um but there's a problem in France, and that is that people don't come to the help of others in need. Um, you know, there's an actual organisation that exists in Paris. It's very small, but they came together because in the 70s, because women were being raped on the train, and people weren't helping them in broad daylight. And and this is this is the reality. So people would have heard me screaming, but no one would have come out to help me. Um, and also it's in an area where there's a lot of nighttime activity, mm-hmm. restaurants, bars. So, you know, I can also understand that, you know, they might be used to hearing loud noise. You sure. Know. Um, but, you know, I, so I was very aware of my surroundings, But um, and there was a point actually – where he he knew I mean he knew where he was taking me. It was it was very premeditated, um, and he had me hidden off the road. And a group of people were walking down the street, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is my my rescue, my out." And I mean, he he heard them and put his hand over my mouth and said, "You know, you scream," and he pointed to his you know to his side and he said i've got a gun and i'll kill you so and that was like oh, you know like I, I just didn't want to i really didn't want to die mm. so i i didn't scream or say anything and so that was quite a i mean it was a heartbreaking moment sure because
0: um, i'm sure in hindsight you you must have thought that was my moment and i didn't take it yeah um, and you yeah. must have felt super super guilty but I didn't feel guilty. I just was like, "Oh man, you know, okay, now like plan now you B, have to start I have got to do
1: again." I mean, in that you know, I went straight back again to you know begging and pleading for him to let me go. Um, and you know, he then there was a point where it got, I got I got hit in the eye really oh, really hard, gosh. and my a big popping sound went on in my head, and I just was like, "You are going to die! Like you have got to f- do this differently." And that was a turning point for me because that's when he started to rape me. You know, like he'd ripped off my clothes and he'd been dragging me on the ground. And, and I went into this kind of survival mode in my head and thought, I, I need to make up a story. I need to tell this guy I'm sick. And then he was actually from Africa. Um, so I thought, I can't tell him i've got aids just in case he's got it and doesn't care yeah so i just sort of said to him look i'm 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 sick and he was like with what and i'm like oh i've got this illness i'm dying you know i've got this muscle is this all in
0: english or in no in french
1: and i couldn't i was my french wasn't that good um and that's when he heard that i wasn't french and he was like oh where are you from and i thought well i'm going to play my south africa card here um from africa and you know that was you know it wasn't it didn't stop him raping me but it he started thinking, you know, mm. and I think it started to humanize me. And, um, and I just went on and went into the details of this illness and thought, I have to believe this. I have to believe this with mm. all my heart that this illness is killing me. And you,
0: you say that you felt that that saved you in
1: a way. It saved my life. Absolutely. I mean, it, it changed the dynamic with my attacker. Um, oh, wow. You know, it took me out of my body during the rape as well because the rape was very brutal and I I have some serious injuries from it. And I can't physically remember the pain of that. And I think that was because I was in this process of, of
0: trying to save myself. Um, so that kind of in a way was that helped me a lot too. Yeah. Um, Claire McFarlane is hanging out with us in the House of Poppy, sharing her story. She was raped in 1999 when she was 21. And the reality is is that a lot of South African women have been through the same thing. And the scary thing is that if they haven't, they will go through the same thing. The House of Poppy. We're hanging out with Claire McFarlane, who's half South African, half Australian. Uh, She went to France in 1999 on a bit of an adventure and uh, was raped. Can we fast forward to 2011? The fact that it took that long for your perpetrator to get caught court you spent your own money your own resources trying to bring the guy to book what was that period like between the rape and the you know the court time like for you and um, what did you spend your time doing were you able to study to carry on with life or what kind of life did you live
1: yeah poppy um look you know after I had to hang around in Paris for quite a few months after the attack I mean I was physically very injured and I had to um, go on all the retroviral medication Mm -hmm. because I was in high risk for HIV Um, and I was helping the police to try and catch this guy. Um, So it was about three months and then I knew my dream of fine arts was over. There's no way I could stay in Paris. I was self-funding and I didn't want to work at night time and put myself in that risk again. Sure. So I went back to Australia and kind of had to patch together my life and figure out what I was going to do Um, and then I really kind of thought well you know what I'm 21 I'm alive Um, this guy hasn't taken my life and I I don't want to let him take my life you know Um, and I sort of I really went into denial I mean I think that's my way of putting it I got really busy I had 10 years of like a crazy life full of travel full of study full of work I mean I just filled it up so I didn't probably have to think so much about what happened to me and it's a very common um, response for victims is denial is kind of the first first stage Mm -hmm. Uh, and then 2009 I got a call from the police in Paris saying look we think we've caught the guy you know we've he's re-offended his dna keeps matching with these unsolved crimes um, wow because he'd, he'd done it before um i went up and did a lineup in paris um i did him straight away Jeepers. which was really kind of you know that was you know for me Scary. after 10 years realizing that i still knew what this guy looked like was yeah it was it was really hard and and that's when i kind of crumbled my world fell around me and i mm. thought I have to do this differently. I'm going to have to face this because now I'm going into this criminal proceeding. I chose to do it. I knew I would have to um, pay for it myself. In France, it's quite weird. Um, Criminal proceedings aren't just criminal. They're civil as well.
0: So a victim
1: has to be a civil party. Um, if they're not implicated as a civil party the the justice system takes the viewpoint that they don't care about what happened to them, and so they sentence very leniently they don't actually i mean a perpetrator can take about six months
0: what yeah,
1: so you're forced as a victim to be involved if you want to see a good outcome um, and then because I was not french um i mean I had to pay for my own legal counsel and um so that and that was two and a half years until we went to court, so putting it together and having to talk about it I was you know I had to have interviews with police with different over and judges over telling over. the story
0: having it scrutinized Absolutely. doubting yourself and I well. wasn't
1: yeah totally and I mean the thing is they don't they don't look after victims there they don't I mean, I would have liked to be put in some cotton wool and treated nicely, but it was a real fight. I mean, I, I felt like I was the criminal through it. It was, it was very hardcore. Um, and
0: what sentence did your perpetrator get in the end? In the end, he got uh, 12 years. Um, okay. He was up for 15.
1: Um, they didn't accumulate the crimes because um, there were two victims actually in court, myself and someone else. Um, but they based it off the worst, which was mine. Sure. Um, but he's actually already a free man. He, what? Yeah, yeah. He was released in two thousand and thirteen. Not, not that they officially have advised me because they don't believe the victim has a right to know. Um, no, so we found out by accident way. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that so. is
0: the scariest thing. I feel so sick.
1: Yeah, no, it's crazy. Yeah, so he didn't even do four years. Um, like I don't. I try not to get too caught up about that because mm-hmm. for me, I mean, he did get caught. I mean, for 10 years he was walking around free, thinking he was a free man, and he got away with what he did, um, and he got caught. Um so oh. that's a big thing.
0: Let's chat about Project Brawl, which is yes. uh, an adventure-seeking initiative that you've started, and it's a campaign that you started for women and other people that have been the victims of rape. Yes. What is it about? I know that you're running on beaches across the world. You're doing six kilo- 16 kilometers on each beach, barefoot on some. Um, tell us about your project and how it's going to help I guess other people that have been through, what you have?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, look, it all um, – unfortunately, you know, for me in 2011, even though we had the criminal proceeding, I still was involved in the whole civil process. Mm-hmm. So last year, um, uh, just to give you some context, I um, got called in um, and the civil proceeding um, kept getting overturned and we had to go into an appeal process last year. So I was forced to go back to France. I was in Australia at the time. Um and I made the decision to do it because what I was actually creating was legal precedent. It was a historical first for France, this this whole case, and it would change the outcome for other victims. But I thought now's the time I need to talk about it. I need to start talking about what's happened to me, um, share my story, and use it to potentially help others. And so that's how the whole talking about my story has sort of grown, and as I've talked about it, I've really touched a lot of lives a lot of women have come and shared their stories with me I've been able to do fundraising and donate money to nonprofits, you know in areas to help victims of rape mm-hmm. you know directly really around the healing and the recovery process and so this year um I sort of sat down and thought how can I how can I make a bigger impact you know I, I've always felt my story could change the outcome for women and and what can I do and I love beach running um it's been a source of uh, healing for myself. Um, sure. You know, whenever I'm having a really difficult time and I'm near a beach, I'll take my shoes off and, and go for a really long run. Um, the earth gives off a lot of energy, and it's it's really healing in itself. Um, they call it grounding, actually. And I thought, well, why don't I why don't I do something like this? Um, it's healing. It's empowering. You know, sports a great way to. You know, Feel recover, strong feel and feel strong mentally and physically. Exactly, exactly. And um, I'd noticed that running on the beaches around the world was quite different. Like, I, you know, there's different energy that came off. It was in the healing was the same thing, but the energy was different. And I thought it'd be kind of nice to take something that's not heavy, but talk about a heavy subject. And and why not the world? Why not the beaches of the world? And then I get to touch the lives of women. Everywhere around I go. the world, yeah. So that's the basis of the project, um, but my vision is bigger than that. I really want to find out what's going on on the ground in every country. So I'm going to link in with organisations and non profits to talk about how they're coping with survivors of rape. What are they doing? What mm. are they, you know, what's what particularly what healing programs are there. And the idea is to align with one organization or to create sort of a coalition of organizations in each country and to raise money um, so that at the end of the run, which will take three years, I can then donate a certain amount of money to all of these organizations.
0: Which is... Three years is a long time to be running on beaches. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to look so skeletal till by the time you get back, we're not going to recognize you. No, I'm paleo. I eat meat. Okay. <laughs> the House of Poppy. We're wrapping up with Claire McFarlane, who is a social advocate a rape survivor and an adventurer on the 18th of July 2016 she kicks off a really cool campaign to raise funds uh, for healing programs for women around the world that have been raped or are survivors of uh, that kind of violence so you start on the 18th of July you start in Cape Town in South Africa. And then you hit 184 countries, 186 beaches. You're running 16 kilometers every five days. And you've decided on 16 kilometers because that's the amount of years, so to speak, that you have been dealing with. Um, no, it's been more than that. You know, this year's marked 16 years. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, since you were brutally assaulted and raped. And that the story sort of come to its end. Um, What I like is that look I'm a runner and I was saying to Ben like what caught my attention was that you were using it to heal yourself and I was asking you now off air like what running app you use and how you're going to document everything because I want to follow you and I want to see and I want to be part of everything so I'll run with you in July of next year and all your South African legs I'm definitely in for that just to kick start everything. If people want to get involved with Project Bra and donate to this very important cause where do they go how do they go about it?
1: Yeah sure look um, I have a Facebook page Mm -hmm. Um, And it's Project Bra, So Project and then BRA. It actually stands for Beach Run for Awareness Mm -hmm. um, and a BRA being something that supports women. Sure. Um, So yeah, so if you just go straight to the Facebook and type in Project BRA. Um, I also have a Twitter account. So and that's Project underscore BRA. Probably that's the best way to follow me. there is a fundraising component to the campaign, um, and I'm going to be selling T-shirts. Uh, 50% of the proceeds of the T-shirt go directly to the Project Bra Fund, which then goes 100% to all the organizations around the world. Um, and there'll be nine different T-shirts available through the three years that I run
0: projectbrow.org also on facebook and on twitter one last question if you had to say anything to someone who's currently in the position that you were in in 1999 someone who's dealing with having been raped what is the one thing that you would want them to know um the biggest
1: one is that it was never your fault never ever 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 no matter what anyone says no matter what anyone you know tries to make you believe it was never your fault um, and the other one is, I really have to say, this one is just talk to somebody. Mm. Um, there's a lot of organisations out there, and you can be anonymous. You don't actually have to tell your family. You don't have to tell anyone who's going to judge you. But sure. you can go to someone and share your story. Um, even share it with me. You know, um, send me a message um, because that'll that'll help. That will kickstart the healing, and that's really
0: important. Claire McFarlane, you're such a rock star. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing your story. Thank you, Poppy. Follow the show on Twitter at House of Poppy. My, my, looking like a good, good time. Love Loud on the House of Poppy.